Okay, guys, you got two seconds left. Oh, time's up. Okay. <laughs> okay, here's, here's, here's what we're going to go through. Um, last, last week, we had lunch last Friday. Who was here for lunch last Friday? Last Friday's lunch was amazing, but it was mostly amazing because of what happened afterwards, because afterwards, a bunch of you guys went upstairs to pray, and you guys prayed for six hours. I couldn't believe it. There were a lot of great things were happening, but I missed the prayer meeting because I was out on the porch. There was a Muslim friend of mine that came that um, he, he was out there, and just before we're coming in here to pray, he says, hey, I've got a question. Amazing. He's asking the same question that I'm asking you guys to think about tonight. He said, I said, sure, what's the question? And he didn't want to be offensive, but he... But he he felt strongly about something, so he says, so who is Jesus? And I answered kind of along the lines of the way that Jesus answers these people because I asked him, I said, are you answering because you really want to know or are you, answer, are you asking me because you just want to argue with me because you've already got your mind made up? He didn't want to answer that question. That he didn't, but you guys notice how Jesus answers, answers kind of like that in verse 67. Jesus answered, if I tell you, you're not going to believe me. And if I ask you, you, you want to answer. So that led to about an hour and a half discussion with me and uh, my new Muslim friend. So actually, I asked him. I was hoping that he could video the questions that he had, and we could show it up here. That would get you guys really excited. What's that? We should have recorded his questions. That's right. That's right. So in this section, guys, there's, there's five references to who Jesus is. And so, I don't know if I didn't answer, ask that question very well or if you guys just didn't want to look. But um, there's five, five references to who Jesus is. The first one is found, found in verse 64. Okay, ready? In verse 64, these guys blindfolded him and they demanded, prophesy. Bam, who hit you? Okay. So, what, so what's the hint here about who Jesus is? He's a prophet. Why are these guys telling Jesus to prophesy? What are these guys all about? You know why they're telling him to prophesy? Because 1,400 years before this, God tells Moses, before Moses dies, he tells him to tell the people this. In Deuteronomy 18, 18, you guys can just listen to what I say. You can write it down in your notes. God says to Moses, I'm going to raise up a prophet like you from among their brothers. I will put my words in his mouth, and he will tell them everything that I command him. In other words, there is a prophet coming who's not just going to be just another prophet, but he, everything that he says and everything that he does is going to be my words to the people. And so these, these guys who are pounding Jesus, they understand that prophecy. They understand that God had told Moses that there's a prophet coming, and they're waiting for him. And they've heard that Jesus, that people are calling Jesus the prophet, and they're thinking, yeah, right. Right, this guy's the prophet. There, there's, there's been a bunch of prophets, but this guy is the prophet, the number one prophet. And so they're thinking, no way. So they're, they're like, okay, we're going to test him. Bam, who hits you? And what's amazing to me is how God, in human form, responds to them. I mean, my thought is... Jesus, this is your chance to blow their minds. I'm thinking about it. It's like, that was Bob who hit me. And Bob, I know what you did last night. And I know what you're doing. I know what you want to be. I know you're the youngest son of three of a farmer in Emmaus and that you want to be a chariot racer. I mean, think about it. Think about what Jesus could have done. By the power of the Holy Spirit, he could have done what they're asking. And what does he do? He remains silent. He remains silent because he knows that giving them a miraculous demonstration of who he is isn't going to change their hearts. 
Guys, understand this. There's so many times where we're like, God, would you work in that person's life? Because if you just work in that person's life, they'd come to you. How many of you guys know my son, Ian? If you don't know him, you guys need to get to know Ian. He's a great kid. But Ian's got a friend at his school whose name is Cash. And Cash is an atheist. And, and Ian is praying for Cash every day. God, would you bless Cash? God, would you bring cash to you? God, would you do a miracle in Cash's life so that cash will come to know you? It blesses me how Ian prays for cash every day. Every day. And, and he's telling me, Dad, if God, if God would do a miracle, then I know cash would come to him. I know that cash would. And I'm thinking, I'm not so sure. I'm not so sure. Because, what, because people that do not want to follow the way of righteousness are not convinced because of a miracle it is not miracles or acts of god that bring people to repentance romans 2 says it's what it's the kindness of god that brings people to repentance and you know you wish it was a miracle it's like god do a miracle i mean that's what we pray for in japan it's like god, if you just do one miracle the whole city will come to you and god says they'll come to me for the wrong reasons so i i, I want my, i want you to keep praying for cash and I believe that, that God, God is going to work mercy and kindness in Cash's life, that Cash is going to remember his friend back in fourth grade who shared Jesus with him. Is Cash going to come to Jesus? But these guys, they're not going to be convinced by Jesus, by, by Jesus guessing who pounded, them, pounded him. Okay, so first, first reference to who Jesus is is he is the great prophet that was prophesied by Moses 1,400 years before. Okay? Second reference to who Jesus is. In verse 67, they say, if you're the Christ, you tell us. Come on, tell us. Right? They're mocking him. The second reference to who Jesus is is that Jesus is the Christ. Jesus is the Christ. Christ in Greek means what in Hebrew? Messiah. Messiah. Jesus is the Christ. Jesus is the Messiah. And in English it means anointed one. Jesus is the Christ, the Messiah. He's the anointed one. Okay, guys, where in the Old Testament does it talk about a coming Messiah? Because they're waiting, waiting for a Messiah, right? They're expecting that there is a Messiah coming. Okay, that's why they're asking him. So you're the Messiah? You think you're the Messiah? Okay, why are they asking that? Where in the Old Testament does it talk about Messiah? Okay, Isaiah what? Isaiah 53, that's right. But notice, the, when they think about Messiah, are they thinking about Isaiah 53? No way. That's the place that you guys go when you're trying to convince Jewish people that Jesus is the Messiah. But what were they thinking of? What's that? Somebody that overthrew the Romans. So where, where's that? Where's that prophesied in the Old Testament? Okay, okay, a bunch of places. Let me just share some with you. Psalm 2, can you guys put Psalm 2 up here? Psalm 2, like verse 2, I think. Okay, the kings of the earth rise up and the rulers band together against the Lord and against his anointed. You know what that word is in Hebrew? Messiah. You know what it is in Greek? Christ. Okay, saying, so the, the rulers of the earth are standing against Messiah and they are saying, what's the next verse? Let's break their chains and throw off their shackles. There is this, there is this 
war against truth. And Messiah, as you go through Psalm 2, you realize that the Messiah is coming to take a stand for righteousness. Okay, any other place you guys can think of in the Old Testament? How about Numbers 24? Let's look at Numbers 24, 17. You guys remember when Balaam, you guys remember Balaam? Balaam is higher, he's a prophet, kind of a prophet of, kind of, of God, but not really. And Balak, the king of Moab, hires him to curse the Israelites. And he comes along and he curses, he plans to curse them, but instead God changes that curse into a blessing. In Numbers 24, verse 17, he says this, A star will come out of Jacob, a scepter will rise out of Israel. He will crush the forehead of Moab, the skulls of the people of Sheth. Okay, here's the deal, that there is a, once again, there's a ruler coming, a Messiah coming, who is going to crush the enemies of God's people, and they're waiting. And so, there, let me just give you a couple other scriptures. Second, we won't look at them all because we don't have a lot of time. But Second Samuel seven talks about it, that the Messiah is going to be a descendant of the mighty ruler king David. Isaiah nine that there's going to be a peaceful ruler, a ruler who destroys wickedness in the land. Genesis forty nine ten that this ruler is going to come from the tribe of Judah. And Micah 5, 2 says he's going to be born in Bethlehem. So these things that the, the, the Jews know Messiah is going to be. And here Jesus is, they're like, he don't look, the Messiah doesn't look like you. You are not the Messiah, okay? So this is, they're asking if Jesus is Messiah. And Jesus, once again, has this, um, what I think is amazing opportunity. I'm like, tell him, Jesus. <laughs> they're asking, are you the Messiah? And why don't you just tell him? Tell him the truth, right? And Jesus doesn't tell him. You notice? He doesn't tell him. There's times. So guys, here's, here's the application for you guys. There are times when you should explain the gospel. There's times where you don't need to waste your time explaining the gospel because the people have already made up their minds about what the gospel is not or is, and they're not listening. Jesus sets the example of that. Instead, what Jesus does in response to what his true identity is he doesn't answer their question about Messiahship, but he goes a step further than that. And in verse 69, third reference to who Jesus' identity is, verse 69, he says, But from now on, the Son of Man will be seated at the right hand of, the, the right hand of God Almighty. So, third reference to who Jesus is, is the Son of Man. And for all of you that have read the Bible, you're like, yeah, we already knew that. And people who haven't read the Bible are like, son of man, what is that all about? Right? I mean, I mean, if you ask somebody who's not from a Bible background with a son of man, it's like, what is that? But this is what it is. This is what I want you guys to understand about what Jesus is saying about himself. Do you guys remember what, what God's purpose in creating humans was for this earth? Did he, did he make? To rule, exactly. Our job is to make disciples now, but, the, but God places humans on this planet in Genesis 1, 26 to 28. And he says, I put people on this planet so that they will rule this planet with justice. They're going to take this planet that, wouldn't, that will never achieve its potential without humankind, and I'm going to take humans, and they're going to make this planet what I intend for it to be. And so I'm giving this planet to humanity. That's what, God, that's what God's plan is. Psalm 115, verse 16 says, The highest heavens belong to the Lord, but the earth, this little teeny planet, he has given to humans. The highest heavens, 15 billion light years across the universe, it's his. But this planet, he gave to humanity. 
That was his plan. And what did humanity do with it? They gave it to, the, to God's arch enemy, the devil. Here you go, devil. God's intention for humanity to rule this earth was destroyed. And there was no way for humanity to take back the right to rule the earth. Do you guys understand? And so God, in his amazing wisdom, he sneaks in undercover as a human as a human, the reason that Jesus calls himself the son of man or probably the better way that I think is understood is the child of humanity, the focal point, the, the focal point of all humanity is because by being human, he retains the right to rule. No other person could have done it, but Jesus does it as a man. Had to be ruled by humans. Does that make sense to you guys? That Jesus becomes human so that he can rule. So when he calls himself the son of man, that's what he's talking about. He's the, he is the one who has the right to rule this planet. Secondly, in Daniel 7, you guys remember the book of Daniel, prophetic book of the Old Testament? Look at Daniel 7, verse 13. Here we find out what, the, what, ha what happens with this Son of Man. Foreseen by the prophet Daniel what would happen when Jesus took the right to rule this planet back from the devil. Daniel 7, verse 13 in my vision at night, I looked, and there before me was one like a son of man. In other words, Daniel's like, there is a human approaching God. Wow. I mean, for us, it's like well, we grew up with understanding that Jesus is a human, and he, he, he's sitting on the throne of God. In Daniel's mind, it's like, this is unheard of. He's looking forward in the future. Son of man comes with the clouds of heaven, and he approaches the Ancient of Days, approaches God himself, and was led into his presence. And this man, this son of, this child of humanity, son of man, was given authority, glory, sovereign power, and all peoples, nations, and men of every language worshipped him. Worship a human? People of all this world worship a human? That's right. Why? Because God had become human. Got to become human. Why did he become human? Because it had to be a human who ruled this planet. His dominion is an everlasting dominion that will not pass away, and his kingdom is one that will never be destroyed. What Daniel's prophesying here is something that would happen at a time when humanity will once again rule the planet. God becomes human just so that he can take, the, he can take back the scepter of ruling this planet from the devil. And the council who's listening to him, when Jesus says, you're going to see the Son of Man, sitting next to the right hand of God, they know exactly what he's talking about because when they respond, they don't use the word son of man. You guys see, see what they say? Jesus refers to himself as the son of man, but they have a fourth description. They, this is the fourth description of who Jesus is. They say, are you then the son of God? Because in their minds, they know it's synonymous. They understand that, this, that, they, that, that Jesus is claiming by by calling himself the Son of Man, the one that deserves to be worshipped, what they, in their minds, they understand that he is claiming to be the Son of God. And Jesus answers, they're like, you're claiming to be the Son of God? And Jesus says, that's right. That's right. Jesus is the Son of God. Jesus is the great prophet. Jesus is the Christ, the Messiah, the anointed one. Jesus is is the Son of Man. Jesus is the Son of God. So let me explain what 
Last week in my conversation with my Muslim friend out here on the porch, and then we moved up to my office. Let me explain what son of God, the term son of God doesn't mean. When he, when he asked me, he said, so do you believe that Jesus is the son of God? My response was, same as Jesus. You got it. That's right. That's right. That's what the Bible says. And he said to me, he said, well, when the Bible talks about Jesus being the son of God, that's in a generic way. Like, we're all sons of God. You know, Josh is the son of God. Jeremy is the son of God. Isis is the daughter of God. I want to tell you guys, that's not what the Bible means. And I'm going to show you guys that that's not what it means, okay? So when we talk about Jesus being the son of God, we don't mean Jesus is just a child of God. There, the, it, he is the, the, the one and only son of God. That's, so understand that it doesn't mean a son of God. Second thing that it doesn't mean, it also, when we talk about Jesus being the son of God, we also, the Bible doesn't mean that God had sex with Mary. Do you guys understand? There are people who accuse Christians of believing that God had sex with Mary. That is not what the Bible teaches. Do you guys understand? That is not what the Bible teaches. When we talk about Jesus as being the Son of God, it might help you to think of this really as something that is metaphorical. Jesus wasn't born physically by God. I mean, God was not a physical father because God, the Father, is not a physical being. Okay? He is spirit. John 4 says that God is spirit. He is the immaterial, invisible, omnipresent God. Okay, so when Jesus is called the Son of God, this is a, this is a, a metaphor, a picture of something way bigger than what we can understand. I want you guys to think about it this way. If you guys, you guys know, well, I won't draw the picture, but if, if, you, if you guys know that God is immaterial, he's above the universe, right? He's above all that is created, all that is physical, right? He creates everything that is physical. Maybe I will draw it on here. Okay? If he creates, if, if we have God, how do we, how do we draw God? If we have God, okay, the pen doesn't work anyway. That's, okay. Okay, somebody said triangle. That's, there you go. Okay, we got God. God above time and space, and God creates time and space. God creates time and space. Can the God who is above time and space enter into the time and space that he's created? Yes, absolutely. If he enters into the time and space that he's created, does he cease to be God outside of time and space? No. So you've got God outside of time and space, you've got God inside of time and space. Are they two gods? No. No. They're not two gods. You've got God outside of time and space, you've got God inside of time and space. Our, our little minds aren't big enough to understand this. And metaphors are necessary. And, and the 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 best way for us to understand this is to call God outside of time and space that is immaterial, omnipresent, without physical form, God the Father. God inside of time and space who takes on physical form is God the Son. This God, this God, same identity. Okay, now this is not a perfect explanation. And I can just, I can just hear, hear the, all of you that are watching on the live stream are going to text me and tell me that my theology is bad. Guys, this is something bigger than what we understand. But God, in, God becomes human. God continues to exist as himself apart from that human being that he became. Same God. God the Father, we call this God the Father. We call this God the Son. God the Son, his name is Jesus. He is a human. Does Jesus live in your heart? 
Okay, of course he lives in your heart. God lives in your heart. God the Father lives in your heart. God, Jesus lives in your heart. But not as... The, God that lives in your heart is called the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit of God lives in you. Okay, does the Holy Spirit of God live in ISIS? Yes. Does the Holy Spirit of God live in Aaron? Where's Aaron? Somewhere back there. Okay. Then we got, then we got two gods, right? We got God and Aaron. We got, got an ISIS, right? No way. No way. Same God in, in, in two bodies. Guys, this is bigger than what we can understand. When Jesus is called the Son of God, this is what we're talking about. It's something bigger than what we, than what we understand. It is, it is God in human form that does not subtract from God who is immaterial above time and space, okay? Okay, not perfect explanation, but I hope that helps. Okay, we got a couple minutes left here. I want to give you some scriptures. As when I was standing on the porch and my friend, my Muslim friend was saying, so where does the Bible say that Jesus is the Son of God? And I said, just ask all the people inside. They know. No, I didn't say that. But I should have said that. Because if I would have said that, you guys would have told them, right? Where does, where does the Bible teach that Jesus is the Son of God? I heard some laughs. Okay, I'm going to tell you guys. First of all, Mark 1, 1, the first, the first verse of the first gospel that was written, probably the first gospel that was written. This is what it says. The beginning of the gospel about Jesus Christ, the Son of God. Okay, not a son of God, the son of God. Okay, this is a great verse. This is a verse that's worth memorizing. John 20, verse 31. John, at the end of his gospel, says, These things were written so that you may believe that Jesus is the Christ, the son of God, and that by believing you may have life in his name. By believing what? By believing that Jesus is the son of God. By believing that Jesus is the son of God, you guys get life. You get life. Yeah, that's right. 1 John 4, 15. If anyone, if anyone acknowledges that Jesus is the Son of, Son of God, God lives in him and he in God. What does it take for God to live in you? Believing that Jesus is the Son of God and entrusting yourself to that. Okay, 1 John 5, verse 5. Who is it that overcomes the world? Does anybody in here want to overcome the world? Yeah, that's right. That's what we're talking about, beating the depression and all that bad stuff, right? Who is it that overcomes the world? Only he who believes that Jesus is the Son of God. Okay, 1 John 5, 9. We accept man's testimony, but God's, we accept, we accept, we accept man's proof. When, some, when humans show proof, right? But he says, but God's proof, God's testimony is greater because, because it's the testimony of God, which he has given about his son. Anyone who believes in the son of God has this testimony or this proof in his heart. Anyone who does not believe God has made him out to be a liar. In other words, if you say, I don't believe that you got a son, I don't believe that, that, there's, that God the son is anything at all, then you are calling God a liar. Because he has not believed the testimony God has given about his son. Verse 11, 1 John 5, and this is the testimony God has given us, eternal life. And this life is in the son. That's right. He who has the son. You guys still with me? Okay. You guys, whoever has the son has life, and whoever does not have the son of God does not have life. I write these things to you who believe in, his, in the name of the 
Son of God, so that you may have eternal life. You guys get the point? The point is Jesus is the Son of God, and if you believe in him, you put your trust in him, you have life in his name, even though the world will tell you you're crazy. Okay. Okay. So, so Jesus is the great prophet. Jesus is the Christ, the Messiah, the anointed one. Jesus is the Son of Man. Jesus is the Son of God. One more thing. In one minute and a half, Jesus is, look at verse 70. They said, hey, you're the Son of God? And Jesus says, he says, yeah, right. You're right. But, look, listen, I want you guys to see how he says it. He replied, you are right in saying that I am. Okay? I, what, what's the point here? Is this cool or what? When Jesus says, you're right in saying I am. I am. What does the I am mean? What is God's name? It is, yeah, Yahweh or Jehovah. It means I am. The word in Greek is ego amy. If you read this in the Greek, that's the word that he's using. He is saying, and they understand that he's saying because you know that they understand what he's saying because of how they react. He says, I am. And they freak out and they're like, what more do we need? Kill this guy because he's claiming to be God. You guys understand? Okay. Where else? If you guys need some, some further proof. If anybody asks you, where does Jesus say that he is God? Bring him right here. Bring him to this place. But there's a bunch of other places you can go. Can I show you just some of those scriptures now? You guys write these down. I want you guys to have proof. Because I, if you've never had this conversation with a Muslim friend or a person who calls himself a Jehovah's Witness who's a friend of yours, you need to have these conversations. They need to know the truth. By the, by the way, do you, guys, do you guys realize that the Quran says that, we're, that the Quran says that you are supposed to believe the holy books of the Bible? Oh, so as you're talking with your Muslim friends, you just say, hey, I'm just showing you what the Quran says you're supposed to believe. Okay? I mean, we here, let me just say, we love Muslims. We love Muslims. If you guys have any problem with loving a Muslim, you've got a problem with Jesus. Okay? We love Muslims because Jesus loves Muslims. We love Buddhists, we love Sikhs, we love Hindus, we love atheists. Maybe the only people we don't love are people that call themselves Christians and really aren't. No, no, just kidding, just kidding, just kidding, just kidding. We love them too. You got, I'm not talking about you guys. Okay. John 8, 58, guys. John 8, 58. Jesus says, I tell you the truth, Jesus answered, before Abraham was, I am. He doesn't say before Abraham was, I used to be. He, said, he uses the word for God. John 8, 58. Guys, write that down. John 8, 24. For, and you got to be careful which version you read this in because some of them don't get the point. John 8, 24. For unless you believe that I am, and of course this version is NIV, and that word he there is not actually in the original. That's been added there for English clarity, but it's not there. Jesus says, unless you believe that I am, you will die in your sins. What Jesus is saying in John 8, 24, if you don't believe that I am using the name of God, then you don't got hope. John 18, 5, when the, the, it writ in, in John, that count is different from, I mean, well, is, is, is extended from what we read in Luke. They come to capture Jesus, and they're like, who are you looking for? Jesus says, who are you looking for? They say, we're looking for Jesus of Nazareth. And what does Jesus answer? I am. And again, in, your, in so many versions, it says, I am he. But what Jesus says is, I am. And what do they do? 
They're like, whoa, and they, they fall back. Why do they fall back? Because he proclaims his identity with such force that they cannot stand up against it. Do you guys understand? Jesus claims to be the great I am. Okay, John 20, verse 28. Thomas said to him, this is, after, this is a few days later after Jesus has come to life again, and he appears to his disciples in the upper room. So a week later, Thomas wasn't there. A week later, Thomas is there. He appears to Thomas, and Thomas sees him, sees the holes in his hands, the scar on his side, and he says to Jesus, my Lord and my God. And what does Jesus say? Jesus says, blessed are you, Thomas. What Jesus doesn't say is, I'm not God. Don't call me God. Do you guys hear what's going on here? Thomas calls Jesus God, and Jesus approves of that. John 8, 12. If you guys take notes, these are important notes to take, guys. You guys, if you guys need to know these scriptures so that you can have the conversations with people when they ask. John 8, 12, Jesus says, I am the light of the world. But if you compare that to Isaiah 60, verse 20, it's Jehovah Yahweh God who claims to be the light of the world. Well, what is it? Yes. Okay. Matthew 1, verse 23. The virgin will be with a child and give birth to a son, and they will call him. What are they going to call him? Emmanuel. And what does Emmanuel mean? God with us. Why are they going to call Jesus Emmanuel? Because when Jesus comes to earth, he comes as God in human form. Okay? Romans 9, verse 5. Christ, who is God over all, forever praised. It says that. Jesus, Christ, who is God over all, calls Jesus God. Colossians 2, 9. In Christ, all the fullness of the deity lives in bodily form. What's Colossians 2, 9 saying? That Jesus is God in human form, in physical form. What does God look like? Look at Jesus. A reflection of God's glory. Okay, one or two more. 1 John 5, 20. We know also that the Son of God, here, here he combines the two, Son of God has, come to, has given us understanding that we may know him who is true, and we at the cornerstone are in him who is, who is true. Even in his Son, Jesus Christ, that Son of God is the true God, and he is eternal life. Jesus is the Son of God. Jesus is God. Titus 2.13, the glorious appearing of our great God and Savior, Jesus Christ. Who's our great God and Savior? Jesus Christ. Okay, that's probably enough. Well, one more. Jude 4. Let me give you one more. Book of Jude has only one chapter, so Jude 4, the fourth verse, it says, it talks about the people that refuse to believe this truth, refuse to accept Jesus as, as, as is who he really is. They are godless men who changed the grace of our God into a license for immortality and deny Jesus Christ our only sovereign and Lord. Who's our only sovereign and Lord? Jesus. Well, what about God? They are one. According to what the Bible teaches, Jesus is God. Jesus is the great prophet. Jesus is the Christ, the Messiah, the anointed one. Jesus is the son of of humanity, the child of humanity, son of man. He is the son of God. He is God himself. And guess what? Yeah, amen. And guess what? He likes you. He invites you to be his friend. He invites you 
to, he wants to offer you life. He is the source of life. He's the author of life, the source of life. He is the one who made you. He invites you into a relationship with himself. He's inviting you into a relationship with himself tonight. If you don't know him, tonight's the night. You get to know him. You say, Jesus, I don't understand all that that Steve said, but I give my life to you. I surrender to you. He doesn't show himself to you by force. He shows himself to you as you invite him to. You invite him, God, teach me yourself, teach me yourself, teach me yourself. I believe in you. I believe that the blood of Jesus paid for on the cross for my sins. It was enough for me to have a way to have a relationship with you. That's what we're doing here. It's good news. He likes you, and he likes all those people across the street. So why don't you tell them? They want to know. They just Most of them never had somebody like you who would explain this to them. Why don't you explain it to them? And you can do it with a cappuccino right here tomorrow. And lunch. Okay, let's stand up and pray. One more thing. Hey, where's Luke? Luke's got, if you guys liked what we just said, we've got um, this in little card form. I want you guys to take these cards, pass them around, stick it in your Bible. You can, you can pass while I pray, because otherwise we'll get done praying and you won't get the card. But here's a card that has, has a summary of what we talked about tonight, okay? Stick these in your wallet, and that way when you're talking with your friends who don't know Jesus next week, you can pull this out. And share it with them, okay? Anybody think? Uh, I have three okays. Okay. Six, seven, eight, nine. Okay, now I got ten. Okay, let's pray. Father God, we're asking that you will work in our lives in a way that only you can, that the things that we talked about tonight would sink in our hearts. Lord, it's true that we don't understand all that this means. I don't understand all that it means. I understand that we come to you in humility saying you're bigger than what are these little minds of ours can comprehend. But would you continue to reveal yourself to us and teach us how to follow you? Would you teach the people at the Cornerstone to love you more and that this community of people here at the Cornerstone would be influential all across the world? As we think about what you're doing on this campus and what you're doing in Mexico next week and what you're doing in the Philippines next month and then in Japan this summer and in all the other places that students from, who are in this room right now are going to be, would, you, would your Holy Spirit be upon them to accomplish your purposes in a way that only they can do with your help? So would you teach us about yourself? Help us, oh God. In Jesus' name, amen. Okay, if you're a small group,